There is no uniquely compelling reason to be on TikTok. And there are lots and lots of reasons to not be on that platform. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, we're taking a quick break from our regularly scheduled CMO interviews on Scratch because I'm very excited about the launch of our newest podcast called Punchy. So I wanted to share it with you all here. You'll hear the intro, you'll hear the format, you've probably already heard me shouting about it and how excited I am to finally be launching it. But I wanted to bring it to all of you here on the Scratch platform and from the next uh, time you hear from us in two weeks, because again, we've gone to a fortnightly release for Scratch, we'll be back to the regularly scheduled CMO entrepreneur one-on-one interviews. But for this week, please enjoy our very first episode of Punchy. Welcome to Punchy by Rival, where we take the gloves off to share the hard-hitting realities of the challenger marketing world. Each week, we'll break down the buzz and cut through the BS, the top stories and trends to tell you what you really need to know and do differently to grow your brand and career. All right. We are live. First episode of Punchy. have to say, I'm pretty excited about this. This has been an idea for a long time, getting us all together on a show. So... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks to folks tuning in and thanks to folks listening next week. If you're listening to the podcast, you would have just heard the intro about what the show is about. But for folks listening live, and since this is our first episode, I'll just give a brief overview. So this is going to be a weekly show where we cover key topics and trends happening in the world of marketing and give some very spicy opinions and analysis about what we really think and what we think you should really be doing about what's going on. To be honest, we're going to figure this out as we go along. We have some ideas about how we want to run this show and some great guests that are coming up, Uh, but I'm sure that it will iterate and we would love your feedback on how we can make this more valuable for you. So the only thing that you need to know is it's going to be half an hour. We got a couple topics to go over, a couple news stories to cover, and There is going to be a game element to this. I am going to give out points based on Dubose and Jenna and in future episode, our guests' answers. And whoever has the most points at the end of the show gets two minutes to share their rant or their rave about a topic of their choice. The points have nothing to do with anything. There is no structured or scientific way that I'm figuring this out. I'm just going to give points like I want to give points, whatever that actually looks like. So... Without further ado, let me introduce my two co-hosts, my two co-founders and rival and co-hosts of Punchy, Dubos and Jenna. So Dubos is joining us from Rome. How are things in Italy, Dubos? They are warm. Uh, it's lovely and there's lots of pizza, but uh, I have to stay in until the sun uh, gets slightly less harsh. <laughs> so this was good timing. Amazing. Well, I'm glad we could get you into the shade for at least half an hour of the day. And Jenna, how are things at the booth in the Outback Steakhouse that you're joining us from? Um, it was this or the sauna booth, because that's the other option at the WeWork that I met in Brooklyn. 
Um, Brooklyn actually smells really nice right now. Like it smells like Jasmine, like in my neighborhood of Brooklyn. And I'm finding it really disorienting because New York wow. actually smells terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it isn't quite summertime yet. And the summertime doesn't smell as nice, does it? Yeah. All right. Let us get into the show. So we have three stories that we're going to cover today. The first is a story from eMarketer in which it covers how TikTok has surpassed YouTube in the US. Our second story is from BuzzFeed on this is what an NFT consultant does all day. And our third story is from the Wall Street Journal on does your Mio, wow, does your Mayo need a mission statement talking about brand purpose and all that. So first story, TikTok to surpass YouTube in the US. US TikTok users will spend more time with the social media platform this year than YouTube users will spend on YouTube. The difference will be just about a fraction of a minute, but will expand in years to come. So uh, Jenna, I believe you have a couple thoughts on TikTok overall, but let me just quote a couple things that I've pulled from our recent exchanges on the rival Slack, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So first of all, you said, I will throw hands on this. I don't really know what that means, but I'm excited to hear. You also said, I am going to blank drag TikTok on Thursday. The TikTok hate bandwagon. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. And then you use a hashtag that may or may not have had another expletive in it. So would you like to elaborate? Fuck TikTok. I don't fucking care about this. I, I, oh my God. Okay. We did an internal podcast at Jellyfish. So to the tens of listeners that I had at Jellyfish, uh, this is not a new opinion of mine. I fucking hate TikTok. And I'm so annoyed at like this coverage of like, oh, like people are spending more, like more time on TikTok. So therefore our ad dollars should go there. I'm going to, for the, for the duration of the show, I'm going to ignore the fact that TikTok is Chinese spyware. I'd be willing to bet my lifetime earnings that it is not GDPR compliant, that they are under regulatory scrutiny for data collection on kids, that they've been banned in India for being a state security threat. I'm going to leave all that stuff aside. We can come back to it later if we want to unpack some of those things because there may be something there and just say why would i spend money on this platform like it's not that tiktok is stealing share from youtube it's that people are spending more time on their phones and consuming like more content i don't see any advantage that tiktok has over any other platforms that would say that like i absolutely have to be here there are more gen zers on snapchat there are better ad units targeting and e-commerce opportunities for ad units like on Instagram. I fucking hate TikTok. I'm so I, I'm so I'm I am I'm gonna throw hands on this. I'm gonna throw hands on this. Throw hands okay. so, to fight. I'm gonna rebut slightly. I mean, you obviously know more about well. I don't know necessarily about like US China geopolitical relations, but you certainly know more about paid media buying and tracking and reporting than I do. But in terms of your question, why would brands spend money on TikTok? It has 1.2 billion monthly active users. I'm looking at all these other stats that I can throw out there, but a lot of it does come down to the attention, right? Like there are so many users on this platform spending so much of their time on it. Yes, part of it might just be because people are spending more time on mobile because people want to consume video more, but the attention is there. And like we always talk about, you need attention in order to deliver a message. So it's important to understand where there is attention of your end, of your end consumer. But, but that there is consumer attention on a platform is a necessary, but not sufficient reason to spend there. Sure. 
brands and organizations all have limited time, resources, energy, effort, like strategic, like bandwidth, like in their brain. You can only be successful on so many places. There's only like only so many people in marketing or, or like whatever else. And I'm saying that there are no uniquely compelling reasons to be on TikTok. Again, there are more, like if it's, oh, are we going after Gen Z? There are more people on Gen Z on Snapchat. Is it that we're trying to like do X, Y, and Z with like, we're like, we're a commerce brand. Like we're trying to like sell stuff like directly, like through our ads. Performance is better on Instagram and Facebook. There is no uniquely compelling reason to be on TikTok. And there are lots and lots of reasons to not be on that platform or like around their data collection practices, brand safety, data collection on kids. There's e even, like I said, leaving aside like the political yeah. and ethical parts of it, they're blocked by like reserved CPM rates are crazy. They're right. like, you know, they're auction like buying like CPMs like are, are you know, are lower, significantly less. Um, but again, like I just, I don't. So let's, I, so I yeah, I think it's, so let's leave aside the geopolitical, the ethical yeah. thing. And it's tough to say that, right? Uh, personally, I just don't know enough about it to have an informed opinion. But let's leave that aside. Let's just talk brass tacks, marketing, commercials. Um, commercials meaning like business results, not necessarily ads. If you were, and obviously it depends on the industry you're in, the type of brand, the audience that you're going after. But let's take a very specific example for this. If you are launching a direct-to-consumer, consumer packaged good brand targeted at Gen Z, would you not buy ads on TikTok? I probably not, honestly. Wow. I like I feel like if you're if you're launching a brand, like you're launching like a D2C like package brand, again, there are limitations on the budget that you have and the resources that you can apply to like your marketing budget. I don't think that TikTok has the ad units, the targeting capability. They're getting better at this. They are getting better yeah. at these things. Like they have improved like the TikTok pixel and like their tracking uh, and like a couple other things. Like I I don't see compelling evidence that like, again, that they have the the infrastructure or again, the, the constituent pieces of what's required to run performance media campaigns for those things above and beyond other platforms that offer significant advantages in terms of Facebook and Instagram have better buying platforms and a better third party ecosystem of like other vendors who can support you in like your and like, the, you know, the execution of your media spends versus TikTok, which are again, are so relatively nascent like in their ad buying capabilities and their tracking and, and a few other things like if you want to be on as as we said like before you know before the show this is not the vietnam war and i'm not a conscientious objector and so like fine if people want to put like resources and like whatever else like on tiktok that like that, fine absolutely like I, but i think that you know an organic type of campaign and trying to figure out like what content plays plays there is yeah. the move that like ugh, if like we really had to like if we really really had to fine that's the recommendation from a perspective no but i think that's the thing right at, at the end of the day there is some value to tiktok in that it's created a format that every other social network is now copying down to the idea that you know it's not surprising that people are spending more time on tiktok than they are on youtube on youtube you've got to go search out the funny cat videos you want to watch on tiktok you give enough data and they just show up in an endless stream that you can go through I, I think there is an interesting point. And Jenna, on the ad unit point, that's one conversation. But I, I do think there's an interesting value on TikTok to being able to reach subgroups and in, in interest-based communities within Gen Z, right? Like none of us would ever run a Gen Z block campaign. You would start to try to find other hooks and other interesting messaging points and targeting there. 
but why but why can't you do those things other places like why can't you do that like on snapchat where like snapchat frankly has a better value proposition for its users tiktok's value proposition for users is that they collect so much more data that therefore their recommendation algorithms are better that's the deal everyone's like oh my gosh like why is like the tiktok like content feed like so good it it functions on the exact same mechanisms of like machine learning that like Facebook and Instagram do and like all these other like platforms that are feed-based recommendations. It's the exact same. The only reason that their algorithm and that their content recommendation is so much better is probably because of their data collection practices. Other platforms offer a lot of the same capabilities, but frankly, again, are better experiences from a buying perspective, like as a media buyer. And uh and like I said, I just think like from a marketing perspective. There's, there's not, that's not a compelling enough reason for me to be like, yes, I'm definitely going to commit my limited resources here. I agree, but I, I, I don't think it's a totally zero sum game. And I think there is the idea that the feedback loop you get a lot of the time for content on TikTok is a more useful feedback loop. It's faster to experiment and understand what you want to do, understand what kind of messages you could put out there. If you're on Snapchat, you put the best content. Because they're I violating think. data collection. They've created right. a new user experience. I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to move us on. Um, Seventeen points to Jenna for the passion that she brings to this topic. I'm sure this is not the last time that we're gonna be talking about it. And three points to Dubose for making me hungry by talking about pizza in Rome. So uh, <laughs> I totally figured this out as I go along. Do better, Dubose. Do better. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you kicked out of that Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> Ma'am, you're going to have to leave. The blooming onion is not coming. There are rules. It's not right. Oh, it's 10 o'clock in the morning here. All right. Here we go. Next story from BuzzFeed. This is what an NFT consultant does all day. So we wrote about this in Zag this week. You should check it out. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, for me, I don't know. I mean, I've started to spend a lot more time in this world over the last few months. I mean, I think I, much like probably a lot of people listening to this, are still really figuring it out. And like the three of us have talked about, I may or may not be working on a Web3 marketing podcast that I really want to launch, but I have to convince you both to get on board with first. Anyway, when it comes to what does an NFT consultant actually do all day, Dubose, what are your thoughts on this article and the world of NFT consulting in general? I have a real problem with any technology that becomes an identity. I think it's it's always what happens to start with because you need an insular community of people that push it forward and really, really buy the values of it. But at a certain point when a technology, be it NFTs, be it Web3 in general, be it social media 10 years ago, start to evolve, these things seem a bit silly. At the end of the day, you're a consultant that specializes in NFTs. You're probably not an NFT consultant. Otherwise, you're the last person on LinkedIn who probably still has social media ninja written on your platform. And it's back to the idea that you know, for this to be truly useful, it has to be more than just a, a, a fetishization of, of the technology. It needs to be applied and, and tapped into the wider world. So, I mean, I, I have lots of questions about the article itself. I didn't know Panera did a dinner. Uh, I might have been away from the U.S. too long to catch up on that one. But I, I, I think in general, like there's a lot of upside to NFTs. I think, you know, fluctuations in the market at the moment are one of those things that are probably going to shake out a bit of a transition from where it was, which was insular, super kind of, you know, focused community to, OK, the technology needs to have a use. It can't just be an NFT. There's like a great website that was showing if web two websites were written like web three copy. So it was like net Netflix now powered by the AWS platform. And you're kind of like, 
no one really cares what's on. They just want to watch something. And I think it's the same point that NFTs are now in a transition stage where you would go, great, it's an NFT. Now, what's it do? And I think articles like this are just going to be judged harshly by history. And by history, I mean like next month. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting how quickly the space is moving. And you're totally right. Like history repeats itself. It's always this cycle with something that's new. It wasn't that long ago that we did have social media ninjas. And actually, I talked to somebody this week who actually still had digital in front of their title. Um, so yeah, nine, nine points to Bose for well, the, the bringing me back social, to the world of social media ninjas. And the problem with social media ninjas is they could still be here. You just wouldn't know. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, I also think that you might just still be bitter because the NFTs that you put up of your dog, the drawings that you did of Queso haven't sold out yet. Does that factor into your opinion on this? Sold, I'm glad sold out? I'm sorry. Sold sold one? Have you sold one? <laughs> sold out? Two. two. I'm glad you mentioned the 4,998 available minted mud club NFTs. Uh, fire sale prices. Uh, we learned a lot of valuable stuff. A, they're not just of my dog. There's a lot of dogs there. And B, they kind of look like cats because I can't draw. So uh, check them out on OpenSea, all uh, licensed <laughs> NFT marketplaces available now. You're totally just using Punchy as a platform to shill your NFTs, aren't you? I, I, I like it. I believe in NFTs because someone like me couldn't get rich off of them. I think that's a good test. If I could do 5,000 pictures of a dog and become a millionaire, then like this isn't a good platform. I think that so. people like you actually could. I think that it's like functionally the same as a lottery ticket and like some of those like NFT projects. Yeah, people like you did get rich. Maybe it's just that your dog is ugly and they don't like <laughs> NFTs. It's, yeah. it's not even. You have a dick dog. I, that's, I'm, that's I'm right. A, just because Queso didn't like you doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can you can throw hands on Queso. Queso doesn't like anybody. Jenna, any other thoughts about this article, not Dubose's dog? Um, my first thought is that if this is like who gets articles in this, I bought Dogecoin in 2014 and this guy first bought Ethereum in 2017. So I think any day now, BuzzFeed's going to come calling and ask for my opinion on <laughs> NFT and Web3 marketing because I was early to the game. For the record. How, how are those Dogecoin doing for you? I, I actually, I, they had a use for me. I, I bought some and then traded them in 2014 for a font pack that I was trying to buy for a job interview, like project that I did not end up getting nice. the job. The Doge would have been worth like seven grand at the, like when I think when Doge like went up to, was it like, like 72 cents like each or something or nerds, you know, when it went up. Um, so I ended up paying a lot for that font pack and for that job that I did <laughs> not get. Um, no, I don't know. I, I like, I obviously like agree with Dubos, but I do think it's kind of, you know, a little bit getting past the point where like, oh, we got to talk about utility. Yeah. I think that we're like six months away from like pretty obvious and clear mainstream utility. Like I'm in, um, all right, I'm going to use punchy to, to, to plug my own bag that I'm holding. I'm an Algorand and they're doing some cool stuff about like, you know, digital identity, um, like using like blockchain and a couple other things, which actually I think will have practical applications for things like ad targeting and like supply chain management of like your programmatic inventory, like really soon. There's already some startups doing those things. Um, and so I think- What that, was like, the one you like mentioned? The, uh, which? Algorand? Algorand? Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard of them. 
I have a, I have a really small, I have a very small bag and it's currently trading below its ICO price, but I think a lot of, a lot of stuff on the, on the crypto markets is, but, um, but it's a good project. I like it. Um, and they're doing a bunch of stuff. So I think that like, you know, I, I agree with Dubose that these types of articles are going to be judged really, really harshly, but probably harshly in the same way that like, uh, we all still kind of like rag on like tech bros and like Patagonia, like vests and like all birds from 2015. Um, but I think it's pretty close to like mainstream adoption as like people, Will, will understand the the use and utility of these things, I think. Dubose, if you had gotten queso a few years earlier, there could have been a queso coin. You missed that boat. There could have. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, I'm I'm doubling down on the NFTs. So, so what do we, what do we, sorry to bring it, sorry to bring it back to queso. I know we all have strong feelings. What, what do we actually think? So what should marketers be doing when it comes to NFTs? So obviously the initial kind of like, early mover let's just jump on it and you know how i feel about like marketing for the sake of marketing and people going for headlines instead of actually something that's going to deliver commercial results but we're kind of a bit past that point what do we think that marketers and brands should be doing if anything with the nft space right now i mean there's loads that as long as it's tied to a true value and a true use right like i think the whole we put our ip up and you can own one of 100 copies of our logo is probably pretty far gone by this point i think it has to be what are you going to give access to what kind of thing are you raising funding for if you're a startup or someone can have uh, greater access or greater exclusivity into something i think it's about participation access and, and true value. And I think when you get those things, there's there's a lot of use cases because it's a technology that facilitates that, not just an NFT. Yep, agreed. I think it's gotta be like, oh man, all right. I hope I don't sound like a crazy person at this. So yeah, so so I read, you know, I finally read like the, you know, the Bitcoin white paper, like the Ethereum white paper, like in a lot of those things. And like, that was kind of my entry to like, you know, the blockchain, like the NFT space. And like, I definitely had the, oh my God, these are works of staggering genius. Like these are like legit, like world changing things. Like when you understand like what the, what the blockchain is, like that's a little, it feels silly to say that, but I really did have that impression, which means I think that, you know, for me it was, oh fuck, this might mean a really different set of solutions for problems that I currently have that I had never thought about before. Like, you know, the one I talked about earlier, which was um, like, you know, in inventory verification in programmatic media, like supply chain management, like in programmatic or, you know, like there's a lot of other things like, in, you know, in the paid media space, like, you know, unique identifiers, like a lot of different things. Those are, pro those are problems for me, right? Like on paid media and web three and NFTs and blockchain technology actually have some potentially really interesting solutions for those. Um, and there's a lot of startups like trying to, and like I say, and like, you know, smaller coins and foundations are trying to do stuff um, around those. So for me, it was, what are the long standing problems that I've had that there are no extant solutions to, I should go check and see what's going on in the Web3 NFT space and see what people are doing, because this is potentially a new way to solve old problems. I love the idea that you, you read the Bitcoin white paper. And I know you did, but I, I do find it's our generation's uh, Atlas Shrugged. Like you kind of go, it's yeah, something people claim they read and no one ever did. And it probably has about the same plot summary and value. So it's, yeah. I don't want to paint you as like an Ayn Rand fan, but I, I think there's there's a trade-off. Two there. points, don't two points for an Atlas Shrugged reference. And Jenna, you get Rude. six points for buying uh, Dogecoin in 2014. Thank you. The market. Well, will, will. I will just say, so one of the things in that article is this is a guy, right? I think it was a guy. He's in. Oh, it's definitely a guy. 
97 discords. I think I'm in like four and I cannot keep up with it. Is it just me? Am I not using it right? This is like when people said how many friends they have on Facebook. Like, I, I, I think it is a meaningless number. And I think 97 discords, unless you have turned off the DM it's feature on Discord. No, it's just like, like a deluge. It's so noisy. And I, I think I just got to spend more time in the app and on the platform understanding how to get the signal to noise ratio right for me. But man, I'm trying to keep up, but it's a lot. I need to, uh, yeah, probably need to make it my full-time job like this guy. Anyway, let's move on. Quick point check. Jenna's in the lead with 23 points after her uh, trolling of TikTok in the first article. It's going to be tough to top. Uh, Dubose, you've got 14 points. So uh, you're going to have to close the gap here. But I feel like this is a really good article for you. I'm teeing this up to see if you can bring it home. Does your Mayo need a mission statement? An article from the Wall Street Journal. So Unilever is pushing for each of its 400 brands to have a social or environmental purpose. So far, investors aren't encouraged. So basically, new CEO of Unilever, Alan Jope, he's been here for a couple of years, 2019. He defines purpose as having a point of view on issues important to the planet or society. He said the UK-based company could sell brands for which it can't could not sell brands for which it can't identify emissions. So that's kind of led to all this stuff where you've got an ice cream brand, Walls, over here in the UK, that is trying to raise national happiness levels. You have Vaseline that's helping refugees suffering from skin problems. Obviously, you've got Dove that's been there for a while with the real beauty campaign. And then you've got mayonnaise that is trying to find its purpose in the world as well with, with Hellman's. So Dubose, what do you think? Does your mayonnaise need a mission statement? I'm going to, I'm going to throw hands on purpose. I'm just going to, I'm going to do that. So like, I, I think one of the interesting things about all of this is who says purpose has to be good. Like at the end of the day, it, it, even in that, right. It was just a point of view, not a good point of view. Like, I think there's a funny thing here. And I think it's because market forces, marketers, to some extent, consumer behavior, we've all convinced ourselves that everyone is having deep thoughts about what the, the point of view of their toothpaste brand is on the world and you go at the end of the day i think for a lot of brands especially ones that are low cognitive low low attention it's just not being really fucking evil or just trying to be in somewhat beneficial but like having a purpose isn't a worthy thing it's what makes any brand a brand like if you don't have a purpose why you exist you are a commoditized product like bleach brands have always had a purpose otherwise they're just bottles with bleach written on them like if you think about evil organizations they've got a purpose hydra specter they have purposes. It's just at the end of the day, they're not worthy ones, right? And like, I think this this whole idea of, you know, everything has to have an incredibly high-minded purpose is going to drag some of this into cliche. I think for certain brands, yes, there's a license and a, and a latitude to go bigger with stuff. For others, maybe it's just not being evil and pointing out how you've tried to be better than other people in the category through manufacturing through positioning and and i think when you do that there's actually a value to purpose but i think otherwise the words just in in danger of being overused does specter have a mission statement i'm Is sure they did will james bond well no that's a tactic like mm, killing james right. bond is a tactic you're right that is tactic. you're right i fucked up oh that's tactic. really embarrassing Strategy is take over the world. Tactic for Q1 tactic, was kill, kill James, James Bond. Bond. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, man, that's I would really. I love to be in that planning wrong. meeting. I was a... Yeah. Sorry. I think uh, my internet dropped there for a second. I, I was just going to say, sorry to 
cut in, Jen. I don't okay. know if I'm still lagging, but um, so I agree with you. And one of the things that I always think about Dubose with brand purpose is it needs to be authentic. So if you are truly not about saving the world, don't say that you are or try to be until you can actually back it up. However, there are so many stats out there about how the modern, particularly younger consumer will pay more or be more loyal to brands that do have a purpose, an ESG type of purpose. So should you not be trying to figure that out, even if you don't stretch yourself into an area that's not authentic? But I think there's a difference between planning and making it a central tenant, central uh, point of your communication. Like, I think we have to be careful sometimes with statements we get from research. If you sit a load of Gen Z down in a room and you go, would you like to buy the least evil brand? Everyone's going to say yes. There'll be one person who's like, no, give me the nihilist one. But otherwise, you're going to start to pull things out where you're like, this is something that's top of mind for everyone. And one of the things, and, and I think there is a shift towards, you know, better behaving brands, brands that make a positive impact on the planet. And we need those. But at the end of the day, I think we also just have to recognize low amounts of, of time and attention in, on a lot of shopping behaviors and the idea that, you know, people say one thing and do another. For every person who thinks that, you know, everyone out there is is buying only ethical brands, they should look at the level of charitable donation and how much of the population actually gives to a charity once a year. It's something we'd like to do. It's an aspiration that we we love this, this family of brands and they were doing all of these things and I'm going to get involved in each of them. But I think, you know, the problem is it's not just about having a good purpose. You've got to make it pretty bite-sized, pretty understandable and pretty authentic because people aren't going to evaluate every one of the products they buy. Jenna, any last thoughts from you before I go to the scorecard? Oh, yo, shit. Oh, I better really, I better really get something that, like... You might need a point or two here. Yeah. Um, it was, I, don't, I don't know. I, like, as the as the youngest person here, I like I think that this is, this is actually, like, a legitimate, like, change, like, in consumer behavior. I mean, I don't know. We shouldn't generalize these things. I do actually make decisions on, like, which cleaning products or, like, which bleach I'm going to buy based on, like, the habits of of its parent company, right? Like, you're, you're right that, of course, there's flaws, like, in how, like, these, like, attitudinal, like, surveys, like, get conducted or whatever else. But... Uh, like cli climate change is the number one issue for for Gen Z. It's also like the number one contributor to like mental health problems. Like I'm on that generation, like with climate anxiety, like increasingly the more avenues and opportunities you can give Gen Z to feel like they're doing something about this is going to be, is that's a, that's a force to harness for your brand to your point. Um, yeah, I don't know. That wasn't really. I don't know. I don't think I got any points for that. That wasn't very good. There was a lot of pressure. I didn't really. I didn't really so I, I actually, I, I gave you, I gave you a good amount of points, but now I'm subtracting a couple for doubting yourself. Fuck. Never doubt yourself, <laughs> and we're gonna keep yelling at you not to to doubt yourself angrily. Good. That's really encouraging. Two older right. white guys yeah. yelling at me to be more self confident is gonna be really good for me. Yeah. There, there is no uh, downside. All right. To what you just set up. You got, yeah. you got the points back. That was well played. <laughs> all right. So here we are. Time is up. However, we still need to do the rant or rave. Let's go to the scorecard. Dubose, you got 12 points for your soapbox about being evil. That's what I took away is the brand should be evil and somebody needs to do a mayonnaise Hydra like brand partnership. So that was a good one. Um, Jenna, you got six points, lost two points, and then regained three points for your rebuttal and putting Dubose and I in our corner. So thank you. So that leaves us with 29 or 30. I'm not sure I'm bad at math for Jenna. 26 for Dubos. So Jenna, you are the winner of our inaugural punchy episode. What would you like to rant or rave about? And it can't be TikTok. Oh. oh I know you've fun. got a couple others. <clears throat> Zero party data. <clears throat> 
Doesn't I see. No, I feel like I should do a rave. I feel like I should rave. About, you should do a rave. Yeah. Just so I the people that, do that don't know you and are listening to this for the first time, don't think that you just spew hate. Yeah. Um, Oh man. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, is it, oh, is it really dorky if I do a rave about Algorand and why I really like it? That seems like a really weird plug of like a crypto that I'm invested in. And we're really getting into a weird, weird territory for that. I don't know. I like the um, idea. This is a vehicle for a pyramid scheme. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to rate, I'm going to, sorry, what? No, I was just saying, shh, don't, don't give away our secrets to us. Fair. Uh, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to read about Algorand. This is the, this is the one crypto I'm currently holding. I had like ETH and, and Bitcoin and whatever else and sold near all time highs, humble brag, whatever. And I'm out of the market for right now, but I am still in Algorand. I, I really like this project. Um, one, cause I think that this is the type of thing like, you know, I was, you know, when I was saying earlier, like, Hey, I think what marketers should be doing with NFTs and like web three is finding some of those projects that are doing interesting things that might solve your problems. And I I think that Algorand is one of these projects. They actually, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, they just bought LimeWire and Napster. Um, what a blast hmm. from the past, LimeWire and Napster. So not only do I, you know, they're also doing a bunch of really cool stuff um, in governance. Um, they're trying really hard to figure out like kind of like what a model looks like for, you know, holders of the crypto versus people who are doing apps within the development space and figuring out how to get people engaged in it. Um, the LimeWire and Napster projects, I think are going to bring like the opportunity for musicians and record labels to distribute NFTs like through those, um, through those platforms, which again, I think comes into that use and like functionality thing. Um, and also, also, they are sponsors of the Gotham FC women's um, soccer football for our UK proper football for our UK listeners um, team. And I do I just bought a Gotham FC jersey with the Algorand logo on it. But then I realized that I'm probably too ashamed to wear that anywhere in public, lest a crypto bro talk to me. Um, so I don't really know why they do that. Could but be, I'm a big fan. Could be a good way to meet some NFT consultants. You never know. Mm, All right, so we're gonna put a link to Algorand. We're going to put a link to Algorand in the show notes. Thank you for your rave, Jenna. Thank you both for humoring me <laughs> with this podcast. I think it's going to be great. We got a couple kinks to work out, but next week we have a fantastic guest in Derek Sutton, who I think has no idea what he's getting into, but I'm going to send him this recording <laughs> so he at least knows a little bit. Uh, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. GMT, live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. This episode will drop, if you're listening to it on the podcast, you already know, but it'll drop on Mondays going forward. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next time. Welcome to Punchy by Rival, where we take the gloves off to share the hard-hitting realities of the challenger marketing world. Each week, we'll break down the buzz and cut through the BS, the top stories and trends to tell you what you really need to know and do differently to grow your brand and career. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.